Well, good evening. Good evening. Yes. Um, <laughs> You want me to do that the whole lesson like that? Yes. yes. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Joshua 24? <laughs> Actually, if you do want to turn to Joshua 24, you can go ahead and get started. You can get there. <clears throat> so this has been a... I've been excited to teach for a while. It's been a while since I've been up here. Um, but I tell you, getting to today came with its challenges. Uh, I shared with a couple of you earlier. Um, if you can hear me, I don't sound good because I got sick over the weekend and uh, woke up the other morning, had a fever. So I'm like trying to put all this together and going to work and working midnights. And then I had some downtime. I was at work on Tuesday night. Was it Tuesday night? No, Monday night. I don't. I get confused. Midnight's messes my whole world up. But um. So Monday night, you know, I, I decided I had some downtime. We're just we're not busy, so I'm just sitting in the truck, and I can tether to my phone, and uh, and I figure I'm gonna pull my lesson up and I'm gonna work on it since I got some time. So I pull it up, and four of my pages are completely missing. My my notes that I'm gonna go off up here, not your guys's, and I freak out because I've started on this lesson last week or so sometimes. So everything that I had put in there, and I shouldn't say I, me, I mean, I pray about these things and whatever I put in my notes, I really feel is led by the Lord. And I like freak out and I can't get it back. So like I'm FaceTiming Darren, I'm like, hey, I need you to go downstairs, get on my computer. I was like, I need you to check this version. I was like, see if you can find it. So I like walk him through how to find it inside of Windows. He's like, and it says no previous version history. And I'm like, Ugh. so I, I check my the laptop I had, I it's nothing in there. And I'm, I'm like, I'm dead in water. I'm like, I got three pages and the three pages that I had left were from three days ago. So the file got corrupted. I don't know what happened. So I'm like, all right, well, forget it. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, so am I not supposed to teach? Is there material in there that I'm not supposed to teach at all if I do teach? Or is this, you know, is this the enemy getting me? So it's like, you know, you start running all these scenarios through your head. But thankfully I got home, got back on it. I was able to find some version history inside of Google Drive. I pulled it back and got got lucky uh, that this came back. So um, we're going to start working through this here. <clears throat> So bear with me as I, you know, deal with being sick. Hopefully I don't cough too much. When I do cough, it's pretty nasty. So just uh, have a little bit of grace with me. So we're a week and a half past winter camp. This is really going to be the last any kind of campish message or post-camp message that we have. Um, for those that went, how's your time been since getting home and considering how the Lord spoke to you at camp? So all the messages are posted on the podcast, as Andy has alluded, that his count has surpassed the camp messages. Have you listened to any of them again? For those of you that didn't went, didn't go, did you have you listened to any of them at all? Did you get off the bus and get back to business as usual with very little taken away from any of those messages? Have you considered the chair that you're in, that last message that, that Scott preached? And have you done anything about it? Have you evaluated yourself? Have you t I mean, that those columns are a great look in the mirror to evaluate yourself personally. Have you acted on the things 
that were preached? Was it an affirmation to you? We always, you know, we make decisions based out of camp oftentimes, you know, because we're there to let the Lord impact our heart, to get away from our distractions, you know, in that time away. Has it been an affirmation that you need to be discipled? I'm going to be on, I'm on your sheet there. Or baptized and maybe even saved. Maybe you need to get saved. Was it affirmation because you've been walking unrighteously and it's time to repent? You have the time to do those things. These things still need to be considered after camp. It's not even just a camp thing. You need to evaluate these things in your heart at any given time, depending on what you have going on. So maybe you're not caught up in heinous sin. And I know some of you in here, you're not. You know, but... But what you may have is you're not even walking unrighteously, but you're just lazy about the disciplines that you that you know you should be executing daily in the Word, prayer, witnessing, taking these things to heart. When taken to heart, your conviction should lead you to repentance, and you start or restart your walk with the Lord. So what should that look like? So, so that's why you know the title of this is what it is. That it's just practical practical points of guiding us to being first chair servants or first chair students. Now, is there anybody here that did not go to camp, that did not get one of the sheets from that? As I printed off the third, I printed off the um, sheet that we're referencing for that column. So all the blanks are filled in, that are on there. Does anybody need an extra one that you may not have? You're going to do this? Yeah. Thank you. <coughs> Saves me a little bit of time. So what should that look like? Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Dear Lord, we come before you this evening. I just uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to, to get here. So there have been some challenges, uh, but I just ask that you would use me tonight. I know we say that. Even when we ask the students to pray, um, you know, that, that anybody who's up here, um, that you would just speak through through me tonight. And I don't say that in any kind of vain, repetitious way. Um, you know my heart with these things. And, and I don't say that vainly. I just uh, I, I pray that uh, there's folks in here that will take something away from this lesson. And that, uh, you know, that there's some kind of growth from it, something that impacts them. It doesn't have to be tremendous. It's little things, Lord. You always work on us with little things that turn into bigger things. So I pray that that would be the case tonight. And just uh, pray we get through this. And then that we would have safe travels home, a good rest of the week. And that we would just be bold witnesses for you at our schools and any other opportunities we have with our friends, whatever the case may be. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen. All right. So I dwell on this for a while. And I thought, what are some of the points that we can focus on collectively as a class to help us be consistent first chair servants? So you guys get a chance, you, can, you know, who didn't get a chance to go through the, the columns there. Um, Scott used those as an uh, as a, uh, opportunity to really evaluate yourself and where you're at as a Christian. The first chair, um, first chair being that you are, you know, you're righteously, you're, you're in a right place with the Lord. So, you know, if there's any, any struggles that anybody's having with these things, really that's, you know, what we're going off of this. So, to summarize it, your first chair, who's saved, fears the Lord, loves the Lord, serves, obeys, is faithful, sold out, if you will. Not a day goes by 
that they take for granted the relationship that they have with the Lord. It's 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 a fervent relationship. You you know that when you're when you wake up, that it's a must for you to pray. That it's like you don't grab your phone, you don't get out of bed, or maybe you do get out of bed, maybe you got a spot that you go to or whatever. But you gotta pray. It's like that's how your day goes. That's where I've been conditioning my heart to get to. Is I gotta wake up, you know, whether I'm working midnights or I'm back on a day shift, to be waking up and be praying about things. That's where I've been trying to work my heart back into because I've been guilty of not doing a lot of these things that I'm going to be covering tonight. I am not perfect on. I'm going to be straight up with you about that. Okay, but it's not. I'm not coming from a a, a place of hypocriticism where I'm going to walk out of here and be like, "All right, party," you know, got that out of the way because that's messed up. Anybody comes up here and teaches, you can't. That's that's not the case. Okay, your second chair. Is one who could be saved or not saved, who may be pretending, prayed, prayed the prayer, but lives like the world in numerous ways. We've seen that. Or it's my family's testimony, or it's my dad's testimony, or it's that's the Joel Osteen testimony, is what I call it. You ever hear Joel Osteen give his testimony? Well, my daddy, my daddy got that Texas accent. My daddy, that's always what he says. You listen to him, and he'll tell you that. It's always about daddy with him, okay? That it's your family's faith, that your testimony, you're limitedly convicted about sin, if convicted at all, but like dogs to vomit in Proverbs 26, 11, you go back to it. Mm -hmm. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I need to go back over here to it. I know I shouldn't be doing it. Right back over. You struggle with those things, okay? You work through that column and see. Now your third chair... Is who is lost, who has no regard for sin, no convictions, no brokenness, doesn't have a love for God's word, loves their sin. Sin is irrelevant to you. And I know people like that. I think we all know people like that. They don't care. They're fine with it. Doesn't matter if you've witnessed to them or not. Now, I can't say that because I, I do believe that there are seeds that get planted with people who are caught up in heinous sin or live in sin, sinful lifestyles and you say something to them and it sticks because I remember when I was lost and there was people that witnessed to me and it it would plant a seed with me there were seeds planted I can I can I can pick out the dots of where there were seeds planted with me about the gospel about my eternity and where I didn't do anything with it. But I went on living my life in my sinful ways <coughs> until I finally got saved. So, again, these are summaries to an extent. You can work through those. And, and you know, also when you talk about, you know, the other lesson that he taught about the, about the Ten Commandments, those are, that's God's righteousness. That's God's righteousness in print. You ever, well, what's God's righteousness? Read the Ten Commandments. It's right there, plain and simple. Go through those, and you, you'll understand it. Where do you line up with those? Okay? <clears throat> so, what can we do? What are the key points? We're going to work through these key points that are aid, going to aid us, that should hopefully aid us in becoming and remaining, not just becoming, but remaining those first chair Christians, servants, students, whatever you want to classify yourself as. So first, one of the things you need to understand Okay, and this is what I love about having a personal relationship with God. It's going to be, and it will be different for everyone. 
Hence, this is your personal relationship with the Lord. It needs to be different from the person next to you. But what I love is that bond that we have with the Lord, that fellowship. You are who you are, but we've got this connection via salvation, via this relationship that we have, and, and we can have these conversations with, you know, what's God doing in your life? What's He doing in my life? What's, you know, and, and really you, you thrive off of that, and it should edify and encourage one another. And, and that's, that's really what, you know, we want to see out of everybody in here, one way, shape, or form. And interesting. Sorry. It's funny who you get a text from while you're doing something like this. Um, but that's what we're after. You know, your personal relationship with the Lord being edifying, you guys edifying one another in here. You know, and it's not leaders in here towing the line. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we will. I mean, we want to be engaged and involved with you guys in any way, shape, or form. But we want to see you guys own own your relationship. Be confident in who you are. And we're going to get a little bit more of that. Okay? So, it needs to be different. This can be different for each one of us. So freedom of choice, all right? The danger and boldness therein. So in Joshua 24. <clears throat> so God's given us a free will, okay? Even after salvation, to choose right from wrong and everything in between, all right? So in 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which are your fathers served which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. On your sheet. You are free to choose whatever it is you wish to think, speak, or act. Okay? However, just because you can doesn't always make it right. True. It doesn't always make it right. And sometimes, oftentimes, we think we're making the right choices, and we're not. You know, I've had some conversations with my wife here lately. There's some big-ticket items right now that I'm really struggling with. I'm, I, I, I need to be careful with the choices that I make. Or maybe there's choices I'm not supposed to make. I have to pray these out. I have to be patient because there's a lot on the line. You have to weigh a lot of these things out depending on your circumstances. Okay? And those circumstances, you know, fill in the blank. So the Bible is full of people who have made bad choices. Even Satan. Right? That's where we got sin, obviously. <clears throat> you throw Adam in that mix as well. And then just that whole story, we're not going to go into all that. And you guys are familiar with that, I believe, for the most part. <laughs> Sarah with Abraham and Hagar. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, is that a weird one? <laughs> uh, could you imagine, you guys as leaders, can you imagine having that conversation? Your wife comes up to you and is like, hey, I, uh, I got an idea. Uh, you know, since uh, you know, the Lord said we're going to have a kid, but you know, I got this idea that maybe if you just, you can have this over here and we'll have a kid that way. Talk about a weird conversation. I mean, I, I could not imagine, I couldn't imagine that, you know, but I mean, that's 
what happened and ultimately Abraham and Hagar had Ishmael and that made a gigantic mess of things instead of just trusting what God's plan was and what he said but anyway there you have it so here we are so you have Samson and I mean the list goes on and on you know even just through the Old Testament but I I, I got to thinking about this while I was working this out and, and I thought about Judas did Judas make right decisions it's not a rhetorical question. Feel free to answer. I have one head shaking no that he didn't. Anybody else? Did he make did he make did he make did he make right decisions? Right choices. Yes. Yeah. Sure he did. Sure he did. Okay. So you don't have to turn there, but in John 13, 21 through 25, you know, when Jesus had said, had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then disciples looked to one on another, doubting of whom, he sp- of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who should it be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? John was like, no, it ain't me. But these guys, these disciples, they're all sitting around. Who is it? Hmm. Is it me? Is it you? Is it finger pointing? I mean, can you imagine sitting in that that conversation? Mm-hmm. So you know, doggone good and well, man, Judas was playing the cards. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was play, he was making right choices. He's faking all these guys out. That's, point. That's your subtle serpent. Guy's a devil. And he's a disciple? You don't think there are devils amongst disciples modern day? Absolutely, 100%. And this guy was good at it. So he was definitely, all through that time of ministry, he was making right choices up until it was time. And then he was found out. It was somebody near and dear to me. Um, we've been watching for about the past year and a half. And, uh, you know, they were making good decisions for a while. But for the past year and a half, they've been sliding. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why. It's, it's, uh, it's a little bit mysterious. But, you know, I see the choices that this individual is making, and it's reminded me a lot of me. At, at that age and it's a lot of it reminded me a lot of you know pre pre-salvation choices but you know this individual claims that they're saved and you know, they very very well may be they demonstrated a faithful life so I don't I don't want to speculate too much on that but the choices that you guys make and the choices that this individual is making you can either set yourself up for a bumpy road, and you're always going to have bumps in the road. I don't care how faithful of a servant you are. If your goal is to be faithful because you want an easy life, the Lord, you just want God to give you just rainbows and lollipops the whole way from the time you've you know come to the salvation to the time that you're in a box and you take take your last breath. It ain't going to happen. Just not. So if you're here thinking the Christian life is easy, you're crazy because we have books full of martyrdom who've died for this faith. Okay? I'm not saying that to freak you out. It's just the truth. If you're here to you know, expect God's 
magic wand of everything you want. It's not going to happen. Now, will He give you the things? But you got to follow His will. When I let God answer my prayers according to His will, it's far better than what my mind usually has. Now, the question is, will I submit to those things? All right. But I see this person; they're setting themselves up for they're setting themselves up for a hard road. And I don't know how to talk to this person and be like, "You're you're really." blowing it here you got a chance to make it right before you make it worse now are you really giving these things to the lord and that's really where you got to ask yourself do you make the right choices do you make them all the time of course not but what's your track record what's your track record on your choices what's the thing that andy says a lot of times when we're walking out of here i don't know if you've done it lately but i I just i do it all the time what did he say good choices make good choices Make good choices. <laughs> but do you make the choices? Choices, you know. What's your track record? You know, is there an is there an aspect of your life that you haven't given over to the Lord and said, "I keep screwing this up. I'm giving it over to you. I can't keep keeping control over it." And I'm talking to myself here. My wife knows what I'm talking about. Some things that I'm struggling with right now. Serving the Lord also means letting Him. Lord over you. I'm losing my voice as we're going. Are you allowing him to lord over you and be the lord of your life? What do you need to give get give over to him? It is your choice. These things that we hold on to too often become the stumbling blocks because we're holding on to them in the flesh. And uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, we hold on to these things in the flesh. We pursue it in the flesh and receive it. We wait and we hope and we expect. For God to bless it. We made these choices and then we're like, okay, God, anytime. Anytime. Okay, this isn't how how I think it should be going. It's not going how at all I thought it should go. Hmm, wonder why. Because you're flesh. Okay? So, Oftentimes, these choices, they can get us into a cluster. And that's the danger. That is the danger of this God-given freedom. So, the one aspect that comes with this, choices take boldness. So, I'm going to camp out here for a little bit. This verse in Joshua makes it very clear. We, His house, will serve the Lord. He makes a choice here, and He makes it boldly, and He proclaims it. Okay? But if you look at verses 1 and 2, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, and the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. They served other gods. They had a choice. And how did that how did that get them? How did that get them at that time? Verse 13, and that and I have given you a land. Check this out. Okay? So what did God do for him? And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do you eat 
They get to partake of all the spoils that God gave them. He handed it to them on a silver platter, per se. They go in and conquer their enemies as they're supposed to. They get obedient. And God supernaturally just plows the field. He gives it to them. Are we waiting for God to do that for us? Oftentimes we're not. I'm guilty of that. I guess I should drink this thing. Okay. Have we missed what God has given us in our lives for which we have not labored? Have we missed it because we have been busy serving other gods, little g, in our lives and not serving or worshiping the one true God who wholeheartedly gives us the breath in our lungs? What should we say? What did the people say? 16 and 17. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up, <coughs> excuse me, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage in which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. They're making a declaration. They're making a choice here. They're going, okay. So what's our? what should our response be? God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It needs to be that. In our Laodicean time, pretty much anything we put before God is another little g. Fill in the blank of what it could be. You can go back to what I said. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? Do you pray? Do you get on your phone? Do you name it X, Y, or Z? Is your service, is your reading, is your prayer, is it just a check mark? Just to get through the day? They're even doing it all. So maybe one of the things that you need to work on, maybe it is boldness. Boldness stands out in verse 15. So when you look when you look at verse 15, he makes that proclamation. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's not afraid to declare it. He's letting people know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I stand for. Get in line or get off the boat. Take your pick. Now, my question to you is that, because I think this is a pain point. I shouldn't say pain point. Whatever. I just threw it out there. I, th I think this is something in this, in this class that we need to work on. Don't be sissies. Don't be sissies. Be, be firm in what you believe and in what you know. And don't take crap off the world. Mm -hmm. Pure and simple. Now, okay, that comes with a warning. Because like I said, choices comes with danger. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you go smacking people upside the head and being a complete turnoff with it. Because your goal, our goal should be winning souls. Right. Or at least, plant, not even winning souls, planting seeds. Yeah. Planting seeds. You plant the seeds. If the opportunity presents itself to lead somebody to the Lord, those seeds have found soft soil. But you don't don't go clobbering people with this newfound boldness that you that you need to have. But I really feel that that's something that needs to be uh, that needs to be cultivated amongst us as as a group and possibly individually. His final statement's bold. He says, "We will serve the Lord, not might, not might." So boldness on your sheet. Boldness takes balance. It's the difference between being timid and being too harsh. 
it's the mark of confidence. There are people along my span of time who've spoken things, either directly or indirectly to me, they spoke them with confidence. And I never forgot that. That's even in high school. There was a high school kid, and I was a loser in high school. I'll just be straight. I didn't care about my grades. I didn't care about science class. I didn't care about 90% of school. I hated it. And that has a lot to do with my background from my parents splitting up and getting into drugs and just a lot of really poor choices from middle school on. Another story for another time. But there was a kid in my science class who got paired on a project and he was a very successful athlete. Followed in his father's footsteps. I doubt that either. I doubt that. Um, I doubt that he's still with the school system. It was uh, Mr. Checo, Rocky Checo. I don't think he's there anymore. But uh, his son, I got paired with him. And and uh, we were struggling with the science project. And I was like, forget it. I was like, I don't care. And he looks at me. And mind you, he was a wrestler and a football player. I mean, the dude was just jacked. And he just looks at me and goes, no, we're not going to forget it. We're going to figure this out. And I was like, okay, we're going to figure this out. I mean, he just verbally smacked me across the mouth, and I never forgot that. That kid went on to graduate from high school with honors, accepted into West Point, served in the Marines, and was the military pilot for Marine One under Obama's administration. Whether he agreed with the president or not, he served his country and he hauled our president around. That's a guy who verbally smacked me upside the head. Pretty good track record, if you ask me. I don't know where he's at now. So anyway, boldness, quick definition. Courage, bravery, spirit, fearlessness. The spirit of fearlessness. Prominence, the quality of exceeding the ordinary rules of scrupulous nicety and caution applied to style, expression, and metaphors and language and to figures and painting, sculpture, and architecture. There's all kinds of stuff that goes with boldness. Boldness can be in that aspect. Freedom from timidity. Freedom from being timid. Liberty. There's liberty in being bold. You're basically proclaiming to somebody, this is how I'm going to be. You don't like it, especially if you're standing, if you are erring on the side of what the Bible says, and you're in righteousness with God, and you're in righteousness with God with, with the decision that you're making. What do you got to lose? This is the fear of men. Our Bible tells us not to fear men. Fear God. It's that healthy fear. What are we going to do? Take that boldness. You see what I'm saying? Stand on that. Stand on that. The worldly perception. That is Christian, that the Christian has to fit the world's narrative of being Christ-like as being this little yes man or this wimpy little smiley, oh hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah, that's how you good, yeah. You know, this charismatic, yeah, I'm a Christian, man, yeah, I love Jesus, yeah. You been around him? And you been around these types? I've been around him. There was a guy at work, I wasn't going to really talk a whole lot about him. Because he's honestly got a poor testimony. He's one of those guys, he's one of, yay, Jesus, but then he's a jerk to the employees. His testimony with the employees sucks. 
That should not be your testimony, especially in a position of leadership. And his, his, every, every person that I've talked to, and I had limited uh, interaction with him because he was on a different shift, different building at the time, and he's since taken a different position. He's not in there anymore. But everybody that has ever worked under him has, <laughs> that I've had a conversation with, it's not good. Your testimony matters. But he had this persona that, hey, how you doing? Hey, man. Yeah. You love the Lord? Me too. <laughs> you know? Almost sounds like Chris Rock. Give me impression. Hmm. Now, I want to clarify. That's not to say that we should not exhibit a joy that no man can take away. Right. Nobody can touch your testimony. Your testimony is your testimony. You got a salvation testimony. Nobody can take it from you. Ever. They can stick fish hooks in your mouth, it ain't gonna matter. Mm-hmm. And some people have died from this faith, probably have, and worse. They can't touch it. It's yours. It's the Lord's. It's in John 16, 22. We should be able to exhibit a joy that no man takes away. There should be something that people see in us that goes, man, you're different. But be genuine. Don't be that, hey, hoorah guy or gal, whichever. You know what I mean. Boldness is a trait that seems to be missing overall. The we as Christians to not to be bold or just kind of go with the flow of things. It's time to speak up. We're too quiet. Wax bold. How many times you go through your Bible and you read where somebody in the Bible waxed bold? Bold. I didn't do the word count. I should have did it between bold and boldness and how many times it's mentioned in the Bible. Somebody looks up at some point. That's great. I forget how many times it's in there, but it's in there quite a bit. Okay. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You ever studied the patterns of a lion? You ever watch any nature shows or anything? They show the lion. The lion, he's all business. He's all business all the time. He's subtle in his ways. He's always scouting. He's always looking. He's scouting. Friend or foe. Friend or foe. Who are you? They're sharp, but they're subtle, and they don't play games. Will you be bold like that? Can you discern when you're when you're talking to a wolf? Can you discern when you're talking to an enemy? It's something you guys need to be sharp on. Don't always take everybody at face value. I'm not saying you got to fear monger or you got to be sus about everybody, sus. You got to be sus about everybody. Bet I'm going to slap you right now. But anyway, you got to be, you got to be bold. You got to be bold. Don't play. Let people know you ain't playing. Because I don't. I don't say that vainly. I just don't. If people run in their mouth about stupid crap, I'll tell them, you're st- stupid. You're talking dumb. Or I ignore it. Or I walk away from it. Like, I got a guy at work. I work with the biggest batch of complainers. It's unbelievable. And they're all men. It's pathetic. Honestly, it's pathetic. Work with these guys. 
just go on about what I'm just, I get to a point, I'm just like, all right, I gotta go. You know, and I, and I leave, I'll drive off mid-sentence sometimes. I'm just like, I can't, I can't deal with it. It's negative. But at the same time, when these guys aren't complaining, I've had open doors with a number of these guys. And there's one guy in particular, you know, talk about a guy that's made poor choices. And I'm not saying it to be mean with them, but I mean, this guy, he started out in church, going to Baptist church. He loved going to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. And I haven't quite nailed it down with him. He hasn't shared with him. I think something very traumatic happened with him in his life, and he's never shared it. But he went to drugs and went hard, dropped out of high school, went to the Army. And his, his life has just been a disaster of choices ever since. He's still making poor choices even now to this day, and he's, he's near retirement age. He's a difficult man. He's not very well liked, but I befriended him at work. And I don't give a crap what any of the other guys think if I got if I'm friends with this guy. Don't care. He's open. He's an open book. He's willing to hear hear when I took him a Bible that I had in my office. It was brand new, still wrapped. I was like, here. Lost his wife. His wife died recently. He's been through a lot. Anyway. Acts 13.46, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. You want to talk about a bold statement. He's proclaiming, he's like, you know what? Done with the Jews. The church and everything else is going to be established through the Gentiles. He's like, that's bold. He flat out says it. He said, I, didn't th I don't think this is what we're going to do. Well, I, I don't know. We might, we, might go to the, we might have the Gentiles do this. We've we got to have a meeting about it still. We're not, we're not committed yet. No, 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 no. No. He lays it down. Sometimes you've got to lay it down. This is how it's going to be. You make a decision and you make a final. So some things that you can consider. Analyze your audience. Consider, can they handle or not handle are they of a reasonable mindset? Can you talk with these people? Are they reasonable? Are they open to what you have to say? Analyze that when you're conversing with them. Can you be bold with them? Can you share what's on your heart? Pray about these things. I mean, you see that there's a door open with a spiritual conversation. I mean, pray about that answer. You got to be, oh, hey, wait a minute. You know, like mid-conversation. Oh, hey, wait a minute, man. I got to pray. I see where this is going. Let me pray for something. I'm not talking about that. Nothing weird. I mean, it's like you realize like, all right, Lord, you got this. Well, where, where is this going to go? Give me the words. Give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom. Please give me the wisdom for this. Which what direction does it go? <coughs> that kind of boldness. You can pray for it in that instant. Yeah. Okay? That's just one aspect. Your situation may take prayer. Do that, do that instantly. In those First Thessalonians 5.17. I know you do. You don't count. Come on. Somebody's got to know it. Thank you. Pray without ceasing. It's about the most simple Bible verse you can memorize. There you go. There's a memory verse for the week. First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. That's it. Simple. Pray without ceasing. Throttle the conversation or the situation and attempt to end things on a good note. Don't blow your testimony or put them off by being too overbearing. Okay? 
This is key. You just can't be overbearing with people, but at the same time, stick to what you're going. One of the aspects of evangelizing in London was keep the conversation going. That was one of the things that we kept trying to do. You try to you ask questions, and honestly, take an interest in these people. Don't just say, "Oh, I have an opportunity to witness it. Oh, I might be able to share it," ah. and then you start thinking vainly. Okay, don't be getting into all that. Take a genuine interest in these people. Our Savior is genuinely interested in you. Right. He's generally interested in them, just as he is with me. He wants a relationship with them, just like he does with you. So be genuine about your conversation and your interest in that individual. Don't fake it. I know when people are being fake with me. I smell it before they even talk half the time, because I'm watching them. I don't know if you guys know that about me, but I watch a room constantly. I know the fakes from the real. Not to freak you out. But it's just a fact. I've been doing it for years. I don't know why. It's just how I am. Don't be fake. Be genuine. People are going to know when you're being genuine. All right? Sure to be firm about that, but just be real with people. It's not hard. At the end of the day, boldly stand alone. Do what is right. All right? So accountability. We're going to try to get through these here quickly. Proverbs, you don't have to turn here to Proverbs 27 5. All right? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Mm -hmm. This is another one that I think is a bit of a sticking point in here as a group. And this one takes balance as well. That boldness to hold each other accountable. Problem is with this Laodicean mindset is we easily get offended. All right? I'm guilty of that. I've been easily offended before. Rather than listening to what the other party is saying or the best interest, if the other is guilty of the sin situation, they drop that friendship, they drop that relationship, or whatever level it is, and it's a crash and burn. And rather than the attempt to work it out civilly. I try to work anything out. If I got beef with somebody, I try to work it out civilly any, any, any and every time. All right? Ultimately, that's to me, that's always a goal. It should be a goal of yours. Unfortunately, uh, I watched a friendship between a couple people deteriorate. And it was because of sin issues. And the one individual was walking rightly. And they called the other person out who was playing games. They were playing one way in here and playing another way out there. And they got found out, and they got called out lovingly, and that caused that other person to just... That friendship disintegrated, and to this day, that offending individual is in a very, very, very dark place. And that situation was never remedied. And it will take an act of the Lord for that person who is caught up in their sin and their sinful lifestyle to change, to be broken. Whether they ever will or not, only the Lord knows. Pray about them. I hated seeing that friendship disintegrate. There was nothing I could do but sit on the sidelines and watch. There was not, literally nothing I could do. It's like watching the fire and your hose doesn't work and you can't spray any water on it. Turn to Matthew 18, please. Accountability has to do with repentance. We all need accountability when it comes to our sin. Slamming the door on our hands and our hearts isn't the way to go with it. Right. Meaning loveless 
<coughs> being loveless and sharp and oftentimes unnecessary responses. Sometimes we can say the nastiest things. I forget the proverb or the verse that talks about the tongue being damaging. Do you know what it is? You know what I mean? James 3, tongue set on fire with help. No, that's one Proverbs I mean, that applies. I didn't think to put those in there. But the tongue is nasty. It can be really, really nasty with the things that we can say. You really got to think about what you say before you say it. Rebuke can and should be done lovingly. You can't love the, the sin that your friend is in or your relationship. God hates sin. It's why he has nothing to do with it. It's why we have his son as our savior. He had to separate himself from it. So, we can either be open and honest with each other and have confrontational, loving conversations to help keep us going down a path of wickedness or righteousness. Are you willing to have those conversations with somebody that you know who you know is not walking right? Are you willing to do that? Situation you're in, you got to ask yourself, what's what's right with it? There's nothing wrong with this. You can find 16 different ways to justify getting yourself into something that you know, that deep down you know you shouldn't just be doing it, whether it's associating with certain people, going somewhere you shouldn't, dating somebody you shouldn't be, being friends with somebody you know that you shouldn't be. You want the attention of this guy over here. You want to hook up with this girl here because of X, Y, Z. You name it. You'll justify it. Your flesh will find 20 reasons to fulfill it. But if you're walking with the Lord and you see your brother or sister stepping, misstepping, are you willing to confront them? Regardless of where regardless if you might lose that friendship, are you are you willing to make that hard choice or is your friendship that dear that you'd follow them off the cliff too? I've seen that happen in here. It's sad. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So there it is. Here's your justification. Straight out of God's word. But if he will not hear, if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established and if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican let him go let him go sometimes you just gotta let him go I don't change what are you gonna do like I said you gonna follow him over the cliff too that's annoying just <laughs> so keep in mind also again balance this is not a green light for you to go and start drama well I know so and so has been doing this and I know that so and so has been doing that and you know it's been a long time coming and I heard that message and I'm going to go at them be prepared if you're going to understand what sin issue do they have it needs to be a sin issue, not just something that you disagree with personally because it's not your preference or your choice or whatever. So make sure that you're in line that they are having a sin issue before you go running your mouth.
or else you're going to get yourself in trouble. And if it's in here, we get roped into it, and now we got to start working through this. We're glad to help out, okay? Don't get me wrong. But know what you're going to do before you do it. And if you're not confident, seek counsel before you do it. Confidential conversations can be had before addressing an issue with A or B or C or however many people. Does that make sense? It saves a lot of trouble that way. It saves a lot of trouble that way. So don't think that this is a green light to go causing drama. All right? It's referencing the verses of Matthew. Situation can't be resolved one-on-one. -on -one. Follow suit. Get us involved. However that case may be. One of the greatest testimonies is on your sheet. That you are truly saved is the fact that you love God and then you struggle with sin. If you don't struggle with sin, knowing what is sinful, but your willingness to commit it does not bother you, then you may need to seriously consider your salvation. You may need to seriously consider it. If you're not convicted about it, that's just the bottom line. All right? So, changing gears here, bringing it around. Forgiveness and prayer. Forgiveness and prayer go hand in hand with accountability. As we covered, we don't rebuke someone and leave them to get ran over by the bus. There needs to be an element of mercy and forgiveness within our hearts toward them, even if we're not a directly affected party. What do you mean by that? Gossip, overhearing conversations you shouldn't hear. Somebody informs you about something, and then suddenly, now you got a bias against. A, oh man, I heard about so and so, and this and that and the other. And suddenly, now you're judgmental towards somebody who you were perfectly cool with prior to. Now suddenly you got a problem because you got yourself involved with in a situation that was none of your business, none of it. So you have to be careful with that, okay? So with that being said, you gotta be willing to forgive. You gotta have a heart toward that, all right? You can get yourself involved with something that you're not knowledgeable of. So practically, don't you like being forgiven? You've been in situations where you know you've stepped in it? Like, man, I really wronged so-and-so, or man, I really screwed up here, whether it's your parents, friend, whoever. And you, you want their forgiveness. You want restoration. You want this relationship back where it was. You want to get back to this block. Isn't it nice to be forgiven? That's a two-way street. You got to give and get on that one. So that's a hard attitude. You really got to work with that. All right? Without forgiveness, where's our salvation at? Forgiveness can be a tough business between the flesh and the spirit. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Somebody want to take it? Get my voice, voice box a rest here. Anybody? Jack. Oh, I had you guys wear. Uh, Matthew 18. Sorry. My bad. I meant to tell you to go to Matthew 5. 
Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your neighbor, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's some strong language. When you get down to the brass tacks of forgiveness, it is a significant heart matter, and a lot of people struggle with it. But it's not just us as believers who need to have this. It even says it talks about the publicans, talks about the lost. Loss can be forgiving as well, in their own right. I mean, I've been around lost people. They're very nice people. They're forgiving as well. But this, this is extra for us. This is extra on us as believers. We are to love the people that that we hate, even the lost. That can be tough to do. I mean, again, you use your discretion. How far do you get involved with certain people? Okay, but that's a tall order, especially in verse 44. Love your enemies, pray for them. And there's a guy at work I struggle with. I gotta pray for him. He really, he really chaps my rear end. This guy really bugs me, I ain't gonna lie. I really got to guard my heart with him. And I won't go into any details with it, but I just, I have to be careful. He's an enemy. He's lost. He needs Christ. I got to watch it. I've, I've maintained my testimony where I work at. I need to continue that. Verse 48, be therefore perfect. Levels perfection. If you can get that down, that's amazing. All right. So lastly, prayer. How deep does your prayer life go? You just check the marks. Is it just at meals, like in column two? Or is it non-existent? I think maybe prayer is a struggle with us in here as well. These are all points that are covered tonight that maybe we're just not doing individually and we just aren't the best at it corporately. We throw things in the group me. Hey, pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so. Hey, this happened. Like you talk about your sister getting saved. Other, other folks have had things go on. Where's, has anybody followed up with any of that? Does anybody know where these people are? Have we truly prayed for these people? I'm saying that to myself, too. How deep is our prayer life? Is it flourishing? Forgiveness takes prayer. You've got to be praying about that. Really, all matters and all people need prayer. We're familiar with <coughs> Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God. We like that peace, right? That peace which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We sure like being on the receiving end of that, don't we? You got to give it out too when it comes through prayer. Our prayers should be full of genuine care. And yeah, I did kind of mean that to rhyme nerdily. Be careful. Be full of care with your prayers. It matters. And again, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, you pray without ceasing. That's really our standard. 
we need to be in that mindset. Are you willing to pray about just about every situation you come across? Okay? Be ready. Be in an instant. Be ready to pray. Be ready to give an answer in season and out of season. Alright? So if we are in regular, consistent conversation via prayer that leaves us less prone to carnal, conversa carnal conversations, more on guard with what comes out of our mouth. For me personally, prayer is a need. It is a need. I struggle with anxiety, believe it or not. Being too tense at times, there are moments I really struggle to pull myself together. I don't talk a whole lot about it. I've struggled with it in here. I try not to show it. I try not to wear it on my sleeve. It sucks. I hate it. And I'll talk about it a whole lot. Maybe I should ask for prayer about it. So file that however you want, because I need it, especially right now. My wife knows the things that I struggle with. But prayer is my only way out of it, in the Word of God. I can go to my wife for things. I can convey my issues, but she can't fix them at the end of the day. A lot of times, a lot of the things you guys are working through, nobody can fix. You got to go before the Lord. Are you going before Him with them? You got to. But prayer is my gateway, and it does give me peace. Psalm thirty-four, seventeen: The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. What this boils down to, with all of what we discussed, it boils down to a love for people. Our Savior is in nothing more than a people business. All this stuff will burn. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But what won't pass away? Is what? Thank you. This is, you guys can interact. It's okay. His word won't pass away. This is all going to go. So my hope and prayer from this lesson is that you guys can take these points, personally apply them. Be bold. Stop wavering. Stop wavering between that second and first chair or even that third chair. If you need to get saved, get saved. What do you got to lose? Your eternity's on the line. It's on the line. It was on the line. I remember that. I remember knowing I was lost. I thought I was good with the man upstairs. I'm cool. I'm cool with God. I was... Man, I was playing with it. I was playing with my judgment. You playing with your judgment? You can you can finalize that. Whatever the case is, there's decisions that you need to make. And that's all I got. Just want to go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we uh, we come before you again tonight, and uh, I know this message is a little heavy. I know it's a little intense it's it's kind of how you made me I don't really know another way um, but you use that and and I'm glad that you know I've been able to find a way to uh, channel some of that some of that energy and and just to use it for your glory and, uh, and just uh, again I thank you for this opportunity to be up here and uh, pray for soft hearts in here I pray for boldness amongst this group uh, pray for them to be open with each other. Pray for relationships, friendships to flourish. And that uh, we would really grow as a ministry, not just be a youth group. This is, this is a ministry, and it's about our service for you. It's about our heart attitude for you and toward you and toward others, that they'd see the love that we have for them, the love that we have for you, that it is genuine, that it's the real deal. We ain't fakes. 
And that's one of the things I've always loved about this church. They're not, we're not a fake church. So Lord, I pray that we would continue that, that path, that we'd be real and that be our reputation. And people know what we're about, that we're real. So again, thank you for tonight. Pray for safe travels on our way home until we gather again. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.